for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 876-878 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. And a special shout-out this morning for all those listening in Sale, Victoria on what? 90.3. Oh, they got they got something different going on down yeah, there. That's 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 pretty cool. Ninety point three. Uh huh. Like maybe we need to include that in our list of well, eighty seven, six, eighty seven, eight, eighty eight, or ninety point three in Sale, Victoria. Sale, Victoria. Uh, right. Let's see what else we've got here. We've got Harvey Western Australia on eighty seven six. Shout out to you guys. And then we have Shell Harbour, New South Wales on eighty seven eight. Lyle just. Getting some breakfast out. <clears throat> yes, we're getting all sorted this morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Let's change the subject. Um, let's see. What am I thankful for? I guess, you know, just to tail off the, the World Cup that's happened, the official results where they, you know, sorted out, like, who was in what place, other than, of course, the winner and second and third and fourth. And Australia came 11th in the World Cup. It's their best result ever. Yes. They came 11th out of the 30, 30 countries who with qualified. With kind of a no-name team. With the third... Least expensive team. So, and, and the team, I mean, I don't even know any of the names of the players on our team. I mean, I remember back in the day we had a half decent team and I knew, knew the name of some of the players, but these guys yeah. are just kind of like, you know, but, well, you don't even play, you don't, you don't follow soccer. So, no, neither do true. I really. It's true, but even when I didn't follow soccer back in the day, yeah. I we didn't still know, know some names. We knew who Tim Cahill was. Yeah, yeah nobody yeah. knew who Tim Cahill was. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to City on uh, the City Harmonic with City on a Hill here on The Breakfast Show this morning. It's time for us to get into our first quiz question for the day, and Lawson is going to bring it to you. That's right, our first quiz question for the day. The Bible says, well, the quiz question says, and the Bible also talks about, Joseph was told to name the boy Jesus because he would save the people from what? 0491-064-669. Joseph was told to name the boy Jesus because he would save people People from what? Zero four nine one. Starting off zero, with the six, easy four, ones this morning. Six, six nine. If you know the answer, you can give us a call or text with the correct answer at that number, and you're going to the draw to win the Bible study companion set, Conflict of the Ages. This is a basically a commentary. These are a set of five commentaries, starting from before the creation of the world to after. The second coming of Jesus. This basically covers every single time period in the Bible and in Earth's history. If you want this, we'll give it to you for free. You just have to answer these questions correctly and get in the draw. And again, that question was, Joseph was told to name the boy Jesus because he would save his people from what? 0491-064-669. All right, let's have some positively different news this morning. We're going to be talking about cool science this morning. Cool Science, which this is like, I read, I read this story this morning and I was kind of shocked that I didn't already know this because I feel like this is really interesting and substantial. And that is essentially, so in 2019, uh, prospectors found a meteorite in Somalia, which is, you know, they occasionally find meteorites around the place. And on this meteorite 
which they usually find, they found three never-before-seen minerals that originated off Earth. So there's no processes, natural processes on Earth that account for the creation of these minerals, okay? Oh, cool. So they, they, they're, they're literally from out of space, okay? Well, because this asteroid is from out of space. Now, they found this asteroid. Um, it had this super fast impact, uh, hit Earth. It's called the, they've, they've dubbed it the El Ali uh, meteorite. It is the ninth largest ever found. But what I found out is that in the world, we have identified 5,000 800 minerals. 480 of those minerals have originated off Earth. So from meteorites really? and non-Earth uh, rocks or, you know, bodies alone, we've identified almost a tenth of all the minerals that we know of. It really makes you wonder what else there is out there in the universe that we have never discovered. Absolutely. What kind of what kind of minerals, what kind of, you know, rocks and resources there are that simply do not exist on this earth mm. that could be used for really cool stuff and we just have even no idea. Well, that's the thing, Lyle, is that as people, we like eat minerals, not in rock form, but like mm-hmm. because we find that oh some minerals are healthy for us and whatnot. I'm like, how does this affect health? How does this you know, what what do we create from this? What do we make from this? And now in other scientific news, the Mars rover is, and kind of relating to this, Mars rover is over in Mars, and on its return trip home, it is going to take a bunch of rocks with it, but it's also collected a bunch of rocks and put them in a pile so that when more people travel to Mars or more things travel to Mars, they'll be able to take it home and examine it. And the big question will be, well, oh, do any of the... Do, are there any minerals in these Mars rocks that we find that are similar to minerals in the asteroids or any minerals that we have on Earth, or are they completely different? But, yeah, I, I just found that fact astounding. 480 minerals out of the 5,800 that we have identified don't even come from this planet. They come from somewhere else. And it just really spoke to me about the expansiveness of our universe and how little we know about it and how much God has created outside of the Earth that we live on and how much we look forward to in heaven, spending time there. And I guess maybe the small window that we can see of that through our current day space exploration as kind of, uh, I don't know, bare bones as it would be compared to being in heaven. Because, it's you know, right now it costs billions and billions and billions of dollars to go to space. But, um, you know, in heaven we'll have a God that will take us there. You know, you think about the different fuels that we have here on Earth that we use to power different things. I mean, you know, you've got nuclear energy, you've got internal combustion engines, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of things. What kind of fuels might there be out there on other planets? What kind of other, you know, we, look how we use the silicon chip or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, what, what kind of communications technology could there be found in the rocks yeah, that's of right. other planets that we've just never even dreamt of. Mm-hmm. And we, like, uh, that the example of, like, we've created an internal combustion engine because we know that petroleum or whatever other fuel source that we can feed through an internal combustion engine explodes in a certain way. But, yeah, is it like we find a rock or a mineral that completely 
circumvents the need for it. It's like a completely different type of thing that we can get energy out of somehow. We just don't even know. We don't even know. But it's cool that we're starting to to see some of the stuff. And yeah, 480 out of 5,800. In other scientific news, um, there is this thing called laser light therapy that is being worked on by the University of Birmingham in the UK and Beijing Normal University, which is... It's just an interesting name for a uni. It's just Beijing Normal University. It's just just a normal uni from China. Uh, But Beijing Normal University and the University of Birmingham, they've been working together. They've been collaborating on laser light therapy specifically for memory loss. So basically the deal is, is that they shine a laser light at your head and apparently it has the ability to improve your short-term memory by at least 10% and up to 25%. And so really? they did a bunch of tests where, you know, they would show someone something and then they would ask them what it was and it was lots of recall stuff. And after some time of doing laser light therapy, so literally just having lasers shined through your eye socket at your brain, it found that you would have, you would be better able to, um, have, you know, more retention of what you've seen. Now, they did this in control groups. So it wasn't just like they did a test and then they showed, shown a laser in your face and they did another test. They had one group that got the laser, another group Where that didn't get the laser. Well, it's still in development. No, you just I need, need a laser one. I just need one. I need, to, I, need to, I need to mount it somewhere, somehow, so that it just sort of... Mount it like in your bedroom, pointing hey, down at your Maybe you could put face. one on the, on, on, on the rim, rim, rim of your hat right there. Yeah. Um, Lawson's wearing an Adventist World Radio hat. Yep. And just, 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 so it just shines down and just. And then, and then you're just like you walking your, around like a super genius. Yeah. Or, or just go to sit your exam and just absolutely smash it 25% That's better on your so exam. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> just before, just before you go in, you're just like reading all your, your content and you just got these light lasers shining your face. Just cram it. You like create a whole laser room, which is just laser lights all over. Dude, that's what uni should do. According to this research, yeah, spend a couple of hours in the laser room and then go do your exam. Yeah, absolutely. And even it says like people with conditions like ADHD or other attention related conditions could benefit from this type of treatment, which is safe, simple, and non-invasive with no side effects. <laughs> so they're just wow. like shine a laser in your face. There's literally nothing that can go wrong. It, it, it just it just concerns me a little bit because I'm thinking of lasers and I'm thinking of the amount of light and the intensity of the light. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can point a laser at an air- aircraft and bring it down and make it crash. Mm-hmm. You know, just by confusing the the, the pilots and disorienting. Them. You know, a laser attack is like a terrorist thing that you can do these days. Yeah. And they've got you know some pretty sophisticated ways of catching people who do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stand there with one of them pointing in my eyes. How do I know it's not going to? Burn of course, my this eyes is a low there. emission. Yeah, laser. I know, but I just still feel still feel a little uncomfortable with it. But at the same time, I'm like, if it 20, makes me remember, twenty five percent more memory. That's in, that's amazing. That would that would be almost. I mean, this life-changing. is the thing: the human brain obviously has that capa- latent capability, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why we can't use that capability in a natural way right now. Mm-hmm. Clearly, in the past, we were able to access that now, somehow. The, the theory regarding that, it's like, well, what is the laser light actually doing? They believe that it's stimulating the mitochondria in your brain. So, it's stimulating the cells 
and just making them work faster. Kind of similarly to like, you know, you warm up a muscle and it works better and whatnot. Yeah, it's stimulating the mitochondria and they're working together better and harder so that you can remember things better. That's just absolutely amazingly cool. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is The Breakfast Show. We are going to have another question for the quiz. So, guys, get your phones ready. Get your communication device. I don't know how you would reach us other than phone. But who said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God? Who said that to Jesus? 0491-064-669. And if you know the answer to that one, you'll go into the draw to win our Bible study companion set, the Conflict of the Ages box set, an amazing commentary, uh, five books that go from before the start of the world, before the beginning of creation to after the very end of time. These are all books that I and Lyle and Producer Shell have read because they are fantastic. If you want more insight about the Bible, if you want scripture to really come alive, which I believe scripture can come alive by reading it, but if you want a more in-depth look at what the Bible is saying. 0491-064-669. Call and text that number with the right answer to enter the draw for this, which will be drawn on Friday. But again, that question was, who said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God? 0491-064-669. All right, turning to more serious news, we're going to talk about uh, a lady by the name of Christine Gautier. Mm. So this this lady's a go-getter. Okay, uh, first of all, she joined the Canadian Defence Force, mm. and in a training accident, she became a paraplegic. Oh, that is terrible. So not to be dissuaded by that, she's like, yep, I'm going to do something with my, my life. So she went out and became a Paralympian, uh, competed in the 2016 Paralympics. And uh, not only that, but she lives in a two-storey home. Mm. So she's got stairs to go up and down. She just So she climbs up. And she drags her wheelchair behind her up the stairs, right? Gets That's to the top, amazing. assembles wheelchair, jumps in, does a thing. Mm-hmm. When she goes back down, she disassembles the wheelchair, lowers it down in front of her while she's lowering herself down her, down the stairs on her hands. Dude, what a beast. She so must be an she's, athlete. She's, she's an absolute athlete. But for years, she's been trying to tap into her benefits in order to get a chairlift installed. You know, one of those ones that just runs up the hand railing? It's mm-hmm. a fairly simple thing. It's not difficult. And it's been a, been a, a challenge for her. Mm-hmm. And after years of, you know, trying to get this thing done and trying to get, you know, because when you are injured in the military, they are supposed to look after you for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was complaining bitterly one particular time about how long it was taking and that nothing was being done about it and why couldn't they support, you know, one of their veterans, etc. And so guess what the government offered her in place of a chairlift? What? Death. Huh? Death. They're like, hey, look, we, we can't actually install this chairlift anytime soon, but we could kill you. <laughs> oh, they no. honestly they offered her no medical assisted dying in place of a chairlift. This is on this is what this is exactly what they offered her. Medical assisted dying that in place makes of me a chairlift. Feel sick. That is crazy. Okay, so you wonder and this is what we have been talking about yeah, for a long time here on Faith FM absolutely. in relationship to uh, assisted suicide, 
um, you know, whatever different title you want to put to it, medical euthanasia, mm-hmm. is that this is a slippery slope. And when we go to those countries that have had it for a while, these are the kind of things that we find happening. We find it being offered to people who are suffering with depression. Mm-hmm. We find it people who are, you know, this, this girl, she's not terminal. She's a paraplegic Olympian. She was an Olympian in 2016. That wasn't that many years ago. She's living her best life. Absolutely. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, a couple of different options here. We could put a chair left in or we could kill you. Um, you know, which one will work <laughs> oh, out better for you? No. That is so wild. Yeah. Is, is This is like like the the most like like – when you think of the terrible that terribleness that could come from the future, and it's like, oh yeah, the government will just be killing people, and everyone's like, no, no way, that'll never happen. That's a conspiracy theory. No, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually happening right now, and this is being offered to people. And you wonder how many people in her situation. You know, it would not hard be hard if you were in her situation to have times of depression. Mm. You know, because life is hard for a paraplegic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and to go through periods of depression would not be hard. And the government comes along and offers you death mm-hmm. when you are depressed at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know whether you're depressed or not, but it doesn't really matter to them because they're offering depressed people mm-hmm. death as well. That is so dystopian. But it's really dystopian. Simultaneously, I'm thinking, well, what's the motivation for the government here? Are they saving buckets of money? That that's the point. Are they so concerned about? Let's say a chairlift costs twenty thousand dollars. I'm honestly, I think I'm. I don't think it would cost that much. They are very simple. But I'm being generous. It's a hand railing with a with a electronic chair on it. But let's say it costs twenty thousand dollars to install. It's got a rack and pinion on a on a handrail. But is is that really worth someone's life? Are you saying as a government? You can't afford twenty grand. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon I could do it for ten, and make a healthy profit. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a rack and pinion with a chair attached to it on a handrail. That's all it is. This is not a complex thing. This has been around ever since. This has been around for two hundred years. This technology, or longer. But man, to say this lady, well, you're really pressing our budget. How about you just die instead? That is insane. Now. I will say this mm-hmm. about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And this will be the first time I think I've ever said anything positive about him. <laughs> he has been very disturbed by this. Good. And has called for an inquiry. Good. <laughs> because she's suing everybody over it, of course, as you would. Yes, thank you. And it's the first time I've ever seen Justin Trudeau come out on the right side of something that I know of. I don't know a lot about Canadian <laughs> politics, but yep. good on him. That's that's actually good, good for and just, hopefully, Justin Trudeau. Hopefully it wakes this guy up to the fact that the path he is going down is a slippery slope. Mm. And whenever people come along and say there's no such thing as a slippery slope, there is always a slippery slope. Mm. And the reason that there is always a slippery slope is because there is a thing called human nature. And the only time that the slippery slope won't exist is when human nature no longer exists. And what's super sinful human nature that is? What's super encouraging about this particularly this this issue particularly is because like it seems as though this legislation is being driven by people in the public, like from the public, rather than doctors and healthcare practitioners. And and that's because I 
know lots of doctors and healthcare practitioners and I ask them about this kind of thing and they're absolutely horrified by the concept of assisted dying. Like, yeah. for the most part, they're like, like uh, you know, palliation and whatnot aside, but when it comes to just like taking the life of active, you know, perfectly healthy people who shouldn't go through that, they're like, this is actually a terrible thing. But it seems like, again, this is something that's being driven by ideology and something being driven by ideology, again, very much always contains that slippery slope. And this is one of the things, you know, this is one of the things that I see is there's a difference between the medical profession and uh, politics. Mm -hmm. I do believe that there are a lot of people in the community that haven't thought through the issues of voluntary euthanasia at Mm -hmm. significant depth. Mm -hmm. And I would be the first person to put up my hand and say, look, if I wasn't in this job right now, Mm -hmm. where it's my job to report on these kind of things and to do the research and study it through and find out, you know, what actually are the issues at stake right here, and if it wasn't an election issue... Something like, you know, it would be very easy to go, yeah, you know what, that makes a whole lot of sense. I grew up on a farm when animals got sick. We put them down because we loved them and we didn't want to see them suffer Mm. and shouldn't the same be available for me if I get, you know, terminal disease where I'm in agony all the Mm. time, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shouldn't that be available to everybody? And you can build, you can see where you can build through an emotional response. You can build an argument that sounds really good Whereas the medical professional, they see a much wider picture mm. and like, no, this is actually really terrible, mm. but they're a very small minority. Mm. And so the, pop, the, the, the population and the government can push through legislation. The medical professional, by and large, mm. doesn't want to have anything. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there's radical doctors out there. There's some psychos mm. in existence. There always has been, always will be. But when we see this kind of thing happening, it is a very clear illustration of the direction of our world Mm. and the reality of the slippery slope and the reality of the absolute corruption of sinful human Mm. nature. Mm. That's the problem. Many of these things would be fine, they would be great if it wasn't for sinful human nature, but because of sinful human nature, we cannot have them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're going to have another question for the quiz. Where did Jesus turn water into wine? 0491-064-669. Where did Jesus turn water into wine? If you know the answer to that one, you will go into the draw to win our amazing prize for this week, the Conflict of the Ages box set, the Bible study companion set. It is an incredible, amazing commentaries that you can take and read Anywhere. I've, I, I've, I just have like the first time I ever read through the sets of these books. I remember reading Patriarchs and Prophets on a plane down to Melbourne and I was just like, just having the best time and just, you know, digging in. I think I was reading about Abraham on that trip and just digging right into the story of Abraham. If you want these books to dig right into these stories, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. But again, that question was, where did Jesus turn water into wine? All right, if you know the answer, you know the number to call, 0491-064-669. But joining us on the phone right now uh, for our regular weekly slot on everything to do with emotional health is Jennifer Skews. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Welcome too. I'm pleased to be here with both of you. Now, Jennifer, what are we talking about today? What's our topic of discussion for this day? 
Well, we've been spending the last few weeks on looking at the brain and how it functions and switching it on and off. And someone was talking to me about Christmas and there's a lot of things that happen at Christmas time that I find particularly my clients really struggle with. So it really does affect our brain and our mood. Um, for some people, it's a positive. But for a lot of people, it's a negative. So I thought we might just take a quick look at that and then continue with what we were doing. Yeah, I think that's really, really topical. And to me, it seems quite bizarre that we can have a time of year that is a holiday and a celebration and everything about it seems to be very positive. You know, this is not like Halloween, which is a celebration of death. This is a, this is a celebration of life. And yet we find that for so many people it's their hardest time of year. Why is that and how do we deal with it? Well, first of all, for many people it's not so much to do with life, it's to do with consumerism, it's to do with family, um, because not everyone has the beliefs that really set up what we, well, what we believe at Christmas time, which is, uh, you know, we're looking at Jesus and his birth and um, life because of that. So for many people, it's not a spiritual experience. And I find a lot of my clients get incredibly stressed and don't function well because of the family. And it might be the one time of the year all the family get together and they fight and they squabble or they feel they don't fit in, they're picked on. Um, in fact, I have clients who avoid Christmas, and I'm sure it's not just my clients. I have people who say, oh, I don't like Christmas. And yet, as you said, it's meant to be a joyful time. Um a lot of it is to do with emotions. If you've had Christmas events in the past where it's been traumatic, which a lot of people have. I've had people who've had deaths in the family around Christmas time or um, health problems. So it often brings up a lot of memories for that time of the year. And I don't know what your memories are. Mine as a child were very positive. So Yeah, Christmas for me, when, when I remember as a kid being maybe seven years old and going to bed Christmas Eve, unable to sleep with the excitement of the day that was coming tomorrow. And these days I look at it and go, really, I was that shallow? But hey, I was seven years old. So Christmas for me has always been very positive, but Christmas for me has also, and I, and I want to ask about this because it's like, okay, how, how does this, how does, how does it go badly? Well, you know, what, what makes Christmas, how could Christmas ever go badly? It's just such a, a, an amazing time of year. But for me, Christmas was always alcohol free. How, how significant an issue was that in my memories of Christmas compared to other families? Do you think from your experience? Okay. Well, I, find that as far as alcohol goes, it's it's um, a beverage, of course, that a lot of people use, but at Christmas time, it gives them a license to use a lot more. Christmas and New Year, of course, they're sort of tied together. Mm. Um, this is where particularly people who struggle with addictions, it's an awful time for them because wherever they go, they're going to ask, would you like a drink? And it, that means alcohol. Um, there are people who then go to excess. And people who don't normally drink a lot will often drink a lot more at this time of the year. Um, and it's not good well, it's because one of the things I was going to talk about is um, with what switches the brain on and off are drugs. So of course, alcohol is part of that. Mm. And, of course, other drugs are involved as well. Um, I find people at this time of the year, because they can be stressed about it, trying to get things done and prepare for family and that will often use prescribed medication or unprescribed medication more. So it can be a time where 
people rely on the wrong things just to get through this this time of the year or just to celebrate. As you know, well, you, you had an alcohol-free Christmas, whereas some people haven't. Alcohol has been in excess, and that often brings about um, family fights and that because when you drink, you actually de-inhibit the brain. So it will say and do things it wouldn't normally do. You wouldn't normally do. That's how it affects the brain. So this is a time, it loosens the tongue, so to speak. So this is a time sometimes where it just is difficult for people because they know they're going to go to the family event and there's going to be alcohol and someone might drink to excess and they know it's going to erupt into something. So, um, And I don't believe alcohol is good on any level because it does, every time you have a drink, it will kill brain cells and, of course, it, it literally pickles the liver where it turns into vinegar and the liver has to deal with that. So it's one of the downsides of all celebrations, I believe, but particularly Christmas time. Mm. So Christmas and New Year, are kind of, mm. yeah, particularly New Year, but Christmas as well is mm. is renowned mm. for people overindulging in alcohol, saying you know the brain becoming uninhibited, saying things that they wouldn't say, you know, because normally there's a filter there, switches the yes. filter off, and then of course you can't unsay things once they're said. That's the problem. Once you've said something, people take it to heart and. This is where forgiveness comes in, but um, some people can do that, other people can't. I have people who won't go near anyone at Christmas time because of these experiences. It's so interesting, it's, um, my youngest son, he, uh, he he's a tradie here in the local area, he's a panel beater, yeah. and his boss organised, you know, the annual Christmas party, as you do. Yeah. Um, I remember being a tradie and my boss would organise an annual Christmas party and it would take place down at the pub and, uh, and, and basically he would pick up the bill at the end of the night and so, you know, all of my mates would just drink as much as they could because it was the bosses and it was free money. Anyway, my son went to their annual Christmas party and... Out of the entire workshop, mm. there was only two two people who were drinking, and oh, a bunch of tra- bunch of tradies, but there was only two that were mm. drinking. And you know, it's just an interesting cultural change that I'm mm. like, that is such a massive positive. No wonder, no wonder this is one of the best panel shops in the area. Yeah, but this is where I think drinking driving now. They're particularly at this time of the year, the police are very vigilant, so yes. people you know, don't want to get booked or have been in the past. So it's, it's, it's so much revolves around the use of alcohol in our society, sadly. Yes. Um, but you can have a great time without drinking alcohol. Oh, absolutely. And it's, oh, definitely. In fact, you feel better um, because you wake up the next day and you're feeling good again instead of having hangovers and that sort of thing. So, uh, But it also it's not just excess in what we drink. We also have excess food and too many mixtures yes, of food. Yes, and too much sugar. Yeah, brain fog, sugar levels plummet and rise and fall, and that, again, affects mood. It affects your capacity to function because once you – a lot of foods you wouldn't normally eat, you often eat at Christmas time, and the combinations are deadly for the brain. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, brain fog. Uh, the mood swings because uh, you're on a high or a low with what you're eating. Uh, but excessive eating is very bad for the for the gut but also for the brain. And what we do is overload. Then a lot of people have to go and sleep it off in the afternoon, which... Uh, the Christmas yeah. afternoon food coma. <laughs> That's it. They're all familiar so, with it. Yeah, so you can see how 
um, it can affect a lot of people. And then the other thing is... Well, that I was just going to say, Jennifer, before you go on, I was just going to say I was pretty feeling pretty good about this, you know, because I raised the issue of alcohol, I'm feeling pretty good because I'm like, I never do that. And now now I'm thinking, well, you know, when it comes to eating too much food and too much sugar and having the food come (laughs) at Christmas afternoon, yeah, maybe I'm a bit guilty of that one. Well, apparently sugar ferments in the system and turns to alcohol. So when we have those excess sugars, so you might not drink, but the body can still have that content, which Mm. is interesting. It's uh, almost like drunk on sugar. So, And sure, it's maybe if people want to do something and not do that. Maybe just have a small serve of something, a treat, versus have it all. Yes. Um, and there, this is, means self-discipline, the capacity to say, no, I've had enough. If they cannot overeat and stay away from the alcohol and enjoy what they have, and this is what we call a mindful principle of really enjoying what you eat, slowing it down, tasting it, the texture, the smell, um, all of the senses are involved, and because I find often there's some wonderful food around at Christmas time um, for people. Because I'm vegetarian, vegan, and I just find we do a really lovely spread of food that is healthy and enjoyable. But again, if you eat excess of good or bad food, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, pacing yourself. So people maybe need to learn a bit of self-discipline at this time of the year and they'll feel much better for it. They'll enjoy it more and it's meant to be a time of enjoyment. So, uh, Yeah, and mm. one, of the, one of the things I think is that a great principle there is to, um, you know, to have – have some temperance to have some restraint during the year and what you find is that come christmas time and you know i have this attitude that you know it's christmas and so i'm going to i'm going to treat myself a little bit but what i find is that i am not actually able to eat the amount of sugar i used to be able to eat because i haven't been eating it during the year and so i have a piece of dessert and i'm like okay that's it i've reached my sugar limit i just simply cannot put another, another sweet thing in my mouth that's it um, and you do, you get used to not eating sugar and then if you have something sweet, it's like, whoa, excess, and you think, I used to eat that all the time. Mm. So you take change. But the other thing that I find at this time of the year for a lot of people is the cost. People go into debt, they max their credit card, they use money they don't have, and it's the time of the year where after post-Christmas, people have got often thousands of dollars excess that they now have to find money for and of course in this climate with the way we're going in the world and it's harder to get jobs and it's costing a lot more I think it's going to have a big impact I think people are going to have to tighten their belt at this time of the year if they don't they're going to be in trouble because people already are having problems with mortgages and interest rates and so it's an interesting year this year as far as what you spend goes um, and how much do we really need? This is uh, you end up with things you don't want because people buy them for you and spend excess money. Yes, and for people who for who you know love language is their gifts, they tend to give a lot of gifts and can easily go overboard. Yes. Um, I, I noticed that Pope Francis said something interesting the other day, and yeah. you know mm-hmm. I often disagree with with um, Francis, but on this one I was like, that's not actually a bad idea. It's like, why don't we spend less on each other? so that we mm-hmm. can take the excess and put yes. it towards charities. Now, he was particularly pointing to yeah. charities in Ukraine, but I'm thinking, you know, there are so many good charities that you can give to at this time of year, yeah. and what a great yeah. way to remember, you know, the birth of Jesus and yeah. to be able to do something positive mm-hmm. in the world and just explain to your friends and relatives, you know, yeah. hey, 
your, your gifts are a bit smaller this year. The excess has gone to this and this and this and this, yeah. and we can bless other people that are less fortunate than ourselves. Well, there is. It's a, it's a good way to go. And what I've done for a number of years and I've done this year is uh, there are different um, agencies that help children and in, here in Australia, overseas, and they have what they call gift catalogues, and you can buy um, a gift for someone, and they, you can get a card to give the person that thanks them for the gift on their behalf. And you can do it for hunger, thirst, um, uh, food. You can buy a chicken for someone, a goat for someone in a, a country that doesn't have much. And I find people really value that. They they think mm. it's a wonderful mm. idea. Um, so yeah. So that way you're helping as well as giving someone a thoughtful gift because people go, oh, I've got all this stuff, you know, it goes to the op shop or it gets recycled. So it's being thoughtful in different ways, I think, because of our, our needs have changed dramatically over the last couple of years, particularly with the COVID and pandemics and money, you know, it's not as easily come by. So, uh, hey, after all, when you uh, when you when you come to Christmas Day and people say, "Oh, what 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 presents did you buy for people this year?" You can say, "Well, I bought somebody a goat, yes, and a chicken, and <laughs> which is actually you know it's it's funny for us here in in, in Western society, but for somebody who yes. actually really needs that, that's an oh, incredibly valuable it. gift. Absolutely, it uh, can save their life. These things can save lives. So. Yeah. There's what we can do, and maybe rethinking Christmas and how what we buy and what we do with it. Um, because one of the things post Christmas, people go into depression. A lot of people because now they have huge bills to pay. They've got all these things that they don't need now. What are they going to do with them? They don't want to offend their relatives or their friends, so they can hang on to things they don't need. Um, and I'm not saying there aren't good things, and that's why we talked about well, how can we give gifts that are more meaningful and helpful to other people. So it's not all bad, but they're the things I find in the work I do that happens post-Christmas. Well, Jennifer Skews, thank you so much for joining us, and we wish you a very, very uh, blessed Christmas and New Year. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.